Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series of messages is based on an intriguing teaching from the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. For more details, be sure to get a copy of Kevin's recently released commentary on the book of Ezekiel from Amazon in your region or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. How many are glad that we believe in a complete Bible here? And we're not New Testament Christians or just New Testament only and say the Old Testament's no good, not for today, it's abolished or nailed to the cross. No, we believe in the complete Bible. All right, I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 14. And we're going to read verses 12 through to 23. Ezekiel 14 and verses 12 through to 23. The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God." If I cause noisome beasts, or wild beasts, to pass through the land and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through it because of the beasts, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, they only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Or if I bring a sword upon that land and say, sword, go through the land, so that I cut off man and beast from it, though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood, to cut off it from man, cut off from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver, deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. For thus saith the Lord God, How much more when I send my four sore or severe, severe judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword and the famine and the noisome beast and the pestilence, to cut off from it man and beast. Yet behold, therein shall be left a remnant that shall be brought forth both sons and daughters. Behold, they shall come forth unto you, and ye shall see their way and their doings, and ye shall be comforted concerning the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem, even concerning all that I have brought upon you, upon it. And they shall comfort you when ye see their ways and their doings, and ye shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, saith the Lord God. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Commencing today and for the next several Sundays, I want to speak upon these three men. These three men. Everybody say that with me. These three men. Listen to it in verse 14, 16, 18, and 20. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Verse 16. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. 
They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Verse 18, Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. And verse 20, Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither the son nor daughter, they shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. How many know that when God says a thing four times that he's trying to get our attention? These three men, these three men, these three men. So over the next several Sundays, I want us to learn why I believe God marked out these three men. How many have read this scripture over the years? How many have not read this scripture over the years? How many want to learn? How many haven't got a hand? <laughs> I ask you a question. How many want to learn from this passage? We're going to be spending several Sundays on that because as I was just praying what direction we would go for our feeding over the next several Sundays, having been in the epistle of Peter for the last eight weeks or so, just felt that the Holy Spirit told me I should just take something from the Old Testament and particularly on these three men. So we're going to learn some lessons why God, through Ezekiel the prophet, speaking to his own generation, marked out these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job. And as we look at these three men, we see that each of them are tremendous character studies and all of them have a, a word for us in our generation. As we're going to see by the end of our session this morning, each of these men are spoken of in the New Testament by the Lord Jesus Christ or by the apostles and every one of them or each one of them are spoken of in relation to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these are sign men, we might say, second coming men that God picks out. Noah, a preacher, Daniel, a prophet, and Job, a patriarch. And the three things that they had to overcome in their generation. That's what we would be talking about. Now the first thing, and I want you to take down four lessons or four points I want to get across this morning. So the first thing is I want to sort of give you a little bit on the historical backdrop, uh, backdrop here of the prophecy that we're looking at. As we look at the uh, prophecy of Ezekiel, we find that Ezekiel was a young man and uh, as we study his prophecy, we find that he was actually the priestly line of Levi and uh, he, he lived to see the desolation of the temple of Jerusalem. Over the years, as God showed Ezekiel, uh, the leaders of the nation, the religious leaders of the nation, as well as the political leaders of the nation, had brought in, into the temple of the house of the Lord various abominations and various idols. And uh, using the principle of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he says that you and I are the temple of God. And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. And here under the Old Testament material temple, the religious leaders and the political leaders had brought in various abominations and idolatry into the house of the Lord. And saints, I know I've been saying this, but I feel so, so burdened, so convicted about this in my heart that I feel in Waverley we must maintain a standard of holiness, a standard of the Lord. Can we say amen this morning? And as I've been doing a lot of reading, particularly magazines, on, on, my, uh, on my vacation of the week we had uh, there, 
just realize that there's a number of churches in the states in various areas that are getting further and further away from the Word of God and bringing in so many things in the house of the Lord and, and desperate to hold the young people. And, and, and the philosophy that a lot of them are getting, well, in order to hold the young people, we've got to amuse them. We've got to do something funny. We've got to do something stupid. We've got to do something, otherwise we're going to lose the young people. Well, I praise God for our young people here, that they're here, I believe, because of the Word of God and the presence of Jesus. All the young people said, Amen. amen. All the young people here amen. said, Amen. Uh, that we don't have to amuse them and do stupid things just to hold them in the house of the Lord. We're here to serve God. So many churches compromise and say, oh, well, cut out meetings and get rid of this. You know, we've just got to go with... And we let the world squeeze the church into its mold. Instead of the church affecting the world, the world dictates to the church what we can do and what we can't do. Well, I'm going to resist that. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. And I don't care what people say about Waverly Christian Fellowship. We are people of the Word. We're people of the book. And we're going to keep a standard by the grace of God, a standard of the Lord. Amen. Everybody said amen. All right, so they're the things I, I feel burdened about. So here in Ezekiel's time, they brought in so many abominations in the house of the Lord. And Ezekiel was given a vision of the glory of the Lord, how... The glory of the Lord we reluctantly left the temple. He saw it first of all into the Holy of Holies over the cherubim and the bloodstained mercy seat and then it took a step and came to the threshold and then reluctantly uh, it took another step and went out into the outer court and then reluctantly the glory of God took another step and it went to the Mount of Olives and then reluctantly the fifth step the glory of the Lord ascended from the Mount of Olives you know, it reminds me so much of when Jesus came. He came to the temple of the Lord. And he said, as he saw all the abominations that were brought into, he said, this is my father's house and my father's house and my house shall be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And then over the years, Jesus, who was the glory of God personified, the word was made flesh and tabernacle among us and we beheld his glory. And that's your kind of glory that was in Jesus Christ as the true temple of God uh, just displayed itself on the Mount of Transfiguration. And over these three and a half years of Christ's ministry, he would go to the material temple. And at the beginning and ending of his ministry, he cleansed the temple. But eventually, Jesus himself, the glory of God personified, reluctantly left the temple. And as he walked out of the temple and went to the Mount of Olives, the disciples said, look at the beauty of this building and the glory of the temple. And Jesus said, not one stone will be left unturned upon another. And then in his ascension, where did he go? He went to the Mount of Olives and the disciples beheld Jesus as the glory of God personified, ascending back to the Father, back into heaven. And after that, the temple was desolated. Now Ezekiel had experienced the same thing. And during the desolation of the temple by Nebuchadnezzar, a number of, uh, of incursions there, invasions there. Certain had been taken captive to Babylon. And, and uh, Ezekiel, as a young man of about 30 years of age, was taken captive to Babylon. So when Ezekiel receives this prophetic word, he's in a Babylonian situation. Now we all know what Babylon mean, uh, means. Babylon means confusion. But the beauty about this young man was, though he was in a Babylonian situation and though he was in Babylon... Babylon was not in him. 
Now, I think that's our first lesson we need to learn this morning, saints, that you and I, as priests unto God, as worshippers, as brothers and sisters, we are living in a Babylonian situation today. How many know that? And so on every hand, and remember the Babylon means confusion, and so we look at our whole country, we are in national confusion, economic confusion, political confusion, philosophical confusion, religious and spiritual confusion. But though we are in a Babylonian situation in our nation, we should not have Babylon in us. Can you say amen this morning? So Ezekiel was in Babylon, but Babylon was not in him. And saints... If there are areas of confusion in our life, and Babylon means confusion, then I would say to you, lesson number one, okay, are you in Babylon or have you allowed Babylon and areas of the world's philosophy to creep into your life as a believer? It's those things that bring confusion. So there are areas we need to check out. If we are in any area of confusion, perhaps something of the Babylonian world has crept into us and needs to be dealt with by the Spirit and Word of God. That's the first lesson I want you to learn this morning, that Ezekiel was in Babylon, but Babylon was not in him. Though he was in Babylon, he was able to hear from God. All right, number two. Second thing I want you to pick up is this. And this pertains to hearing the Word of the Lord. So lesson number one, Ezekiel was in Babylon, but Babylon was not in him. Lesson number two, and this pertains to hearing the word of the Lord. I want you to look at verse 12. Uh, if you've got your Bible open to Ezekiel chapter 14, just in case you close it, Ezekiel 14. Let's look at the, the thought in verse 12. All right, it simply says, The word of the Lord came again to me, saying, The word of the Lord came again to me saying now as we as we study the uh the old testament particularly we find that this is sort of actually a a prophetic formula and uh over and over again through the prophets doesn't matter whether they are major or minor prophets whether it's isaiah jeremiah ezekiel uh, uh zechariah or Amos, or any of the major and minor prophets. This is like a prophetic formula. And over and over again, hundreds of times, literally, we have the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the word of the Lord. And over and over and over again, we have the word of the Lord. Why don't you turn to uh, Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. And this is sort of the first mention of, uh, of this thought here. But the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord came... Uh, again to me saying so Genesis chapter 15 we have the first mention of uh, this expression the word of the Lord the word of the Lord Genesis chapter 15 and verse 1 after these things the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision saying fear not Abraham I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward so Word of the Lord, after these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. In verse 4, and behold the word of the Lord came unto him, saying. So over and over again we have this expression, the word of the Lord came. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 1 again. Ezekiel chapter 1, and the first specific mention of this, and we've had occasion to mention this when we looked at vision, and the vision that God has given to the church here. 
Ezekiel chapter 1. And uh, I'll read verses 1 through to 3. Ezekiel 1, verses 1 through to 3. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was amongst the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. And verse 3, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chiba, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. So open heavens, visions of God, word of the Lord coming expressly to Ezekiel the priest in a Babylonian situation. So over and over again, we have this expression, the word of the Lord. Let's just look at a, a few verses here, chapter 6, just from Ezekiel. Ezekiel 6, verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, verse 3, And say, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Chapter 7 and verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, chapter 7, verse 1, I've given you chapter 11, and verse 4, chapter 11, verse 4, or verse 14, I'm sorry, chapter 11, verse 14. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, chapter 12, verse 1, the word of the Lord also came unto me, saying, I uh, just counted the number of times this expression is used just in Ezekiel alone. And at least 63 times, the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord came, the word of the Lord came. Saints, let's apply it here. How many believe that the word of the Lord comes to Waverly Christian Fellowship? Sunday after Sunday, it doesn't matter who may be ministering, week after week, month after month, it doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, in action night or Sunday morning service or Sunday evening services or, or whatever the case may be, the various activities of the church. Word of the Lord came. The Word of the Lord comes to us. It comes to us through the written Word. It comes to us through the spoken Word. It comes to us through the preaching of the Word, through the teaching of the Word, through the prophetic Word, through uh, the exhortive Word. Over and over again, the Word of the Lord comes to wave the Christian fellowship. And 63 times in Ezekiel, we have this expression, the Word of the Lord came. Word of the Lord came unto Ezekiel, saying, and then as the Word came to him, then he was to preach the Word. Now, as I said, some of the things that trouble me of what's happening in certain areas of the states, certain churches are getting further and further away from the Word of God and say, oh, let's quit down the preaching. Don't have so much teaching. Let's sort of make it more come cool, come casual. While the Bible says, preach the Word. Be instant in season and out of season. For the time is coming when they will not endure and enjoy the Word of God. They'll be turned to fables and a lot of other things. So saints, we are a preaching and a teaching church. Can we say amen this morning? And what are we here for? So we've got to keep a balance on all our activities and our various groupings and everything like that and not depart from the Word of God. So many churches in the States I'm seeing uh, in my few visits there and talking ministers, they're so desperate to reach the world that they're compromising on so many things. Well, I want to tell you, we'll talk about when we talk about Noah, but Noah never compromised the message to get anybody into the ark of God. He was a preacher of righteousness. 
And we're not going to compromise the Word of God just to get people into Waverley. We're going to keep up a standard, the standard of the Word of God. Everybody said Amen. Why don't you say Amen with me this morning because that's what it's about. And I just say the door swings both ways. If you don't feel comfortable in Waverley, you say too much word here, too much preaching, teaching, too many meetings. Okay, find some comfortable Laodicean church. There's a few around. Did you know that? Neither hot nor cold, just lukewarm, just come cool, come casual, do your thing. Jesus is cool, baby. You can pick the type of church you want. There's plenty in Melbourne. How many are happy here in Waverley? So word of the Lord came over and over again, 63 times at least. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel saying, so word of the Lord comes to this church. Now, when uh, it says the word of the Lord came again to me saying, you'll notice that, and I noticed this last night and yesterday as I was preparing for this morning, that Many, many times, not only did the word came, come, word of the Lord came, but we have this exhortation, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord. Let's look at a few verses just in Ezekiel we're looking at. Chapter 3, and it was spoken to both Ezekiel and to the people. Chapter, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse uh, 16 and it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning for me. And then he's to warn the wicked without and the righteous within. So hear the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came. Hear the word of the Lord. Chapter 6 and verse 3. Chapter 6, verse 3. And say... Verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face toward the mountains of Israel, and prophesy against them, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. If you're taking down references, why don't you just uh, take down a couple of others here. Chapter 13, verse 2. All exhorting, hear the word of the Lord. So it's one thing for the word of the Lord to come, but it's another thing for us to hear the word of the Lord. Chapter 13, verse 2, and chapter 33, verse 7. Chapter 33, verse 7. The, uh, the Hebrew use of the word here means to hear intelligently and with the implication of giving attention to and obeying the word. So to really hear the word is to hear intelligently with understanding and giving attention to the word and obeying the word, giving obedience. I want you to go over to Ezekiel chapter 33 and listen to the Lord's lamentation because as we think of this setting that, uh, that Ezekiel is in, Babylon, and the captives there that are in Babylon, and they would come down to Ezekiel's house. Apparently Ezekiel had his own house there in Babylon and uh, uh, looking at some of the scriptures, the elders would come to him and sit before him at his house and say, oh, what's the word of the Lord? What are you going to preach on today? Tell us what the word of the Lord is. And after uh, the word of the Lord had come again and again, this is what the Lord said to Ezekiel. Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. And I don't want this word to be said of us as a fellowship. I want to 
because the Word of the Lord comes to us Sunday after Sunday, week after week, through the various ministries and in the body here, as well as visiting ministry, I wouldn't want this said to be, a, 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 to be said to us. Ezekiel 33 and verse 30. Also, thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee or about thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses. How'd you like that? So the Lord's saying, Ezekiel, they're talking about you by the walls and the doors of the houses. Oh, that Ezekiel, he's the weird guy. All the funny prophecies he gets and everything. And speak one to another, every one to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth uh, from the Lord. And they come unto thee as the people come, Sunday by Sunday, week by week, and they sit before thee as my people, week after week, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they showeth much love, but their heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, you are unto them as a very lovely song of one that has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. And when this cometh to pass, lo, it will come, then they shall know that a prophet has been among them. So here, time after time, word of the Lord came, word of the Lord came, word of the Lord came, and Ezekiel would deliver that word of the Lord to the people over periods of time, number of years here, as you'll see. But uh, the Lord says to Ezekiel, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, the people come, and they like to hear your words and think, oh, you've got a lovely voice, you're a good communicator, you're a good preacher, your voice is like a lovely song, you can play well on an instrument, but they hear your words and they won't do them. Because with their mouth, they show much love, but their heart isn't connected with their mouth. Saints, I don't want that to be here in Waverley. Amen? I want us to be hearers and doers of the Word. So when the Word of the Lord comes, what's been the Word of the Lord to us over the last number of weeks? Over the last months, over this year, what has been the Word of the Lord? Are we doing the Word? Well, as someone prayed this morning, we're not to be just hearers of the Word, but we're to be doers of the word, not just with our mouth, but with our heart. If any man have an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Mark chapter 4, just put this down here, Mark chapter 4 and verse 24. Jesus said to the disciples, Take heed, watch ye here. Mark 4, 24. But in Luke 8 verse 18, he changes the word what? To the word how. Take heed, how ye hear. Very important, saints. Take heed what ye hear. And number two, take heed how ye hear. Let me explain briefly what I mean by that. When we say take heed what ye hear, that's the material you're listening to. But when it says take heed how ye hear, that's the attitude that you listen in. Now we're all hearing the same thing this morning. What we're hearing, we're all hearing the same thing. But how we're hearing depends on our attitude. So take heed what you hear, take heed how you hear. Mark chapter 4, verse 24 again. Mark 4, 24. It says, Unto you that hear shall more be given. And the New Testament concept of hearing involves obedience, as well as the Old Testament, to really hear. So unto you that hear shall more be given. 
And sometimes we say, oh Lord, give me more, give me more, give me more. And the Lord says, you haven't even heard what I've already given you. So unto you that hears shall more be given. To whom much is given, the more will be required. And saints, in Waverly Christian Fellowship, we have been given so much. We really have, we've been given so much. And I don't say this in any prideful way, anything like that, just traveling and want to go to different churches and that, I just say, we've been given so much, Lord. Help us not to take it for granted. We pray that familiarity will not breed contempt and that we just take it for granted. Another Sunday, another ho-hum. Oh, God, you've given us so much. Hear the word of the Lord. See, and see, we are accountable to God for what we hear and how we hear. All right, the third point I want to get across now is about God's foresaw judgment. So let me say it again. So number one, Ezekiel is in a Babylonian condition, but though he's in Babylon, he's not allowed Babylon to influence him. That religious and worldly confusion, the philosophy of the world, humanism and all the rest of it. Number two, the word of the Lord has come time and time again to him and he's given it to the people, but the people have not been hearing. So the word of the Lord has come to us time and time again. But I pray that we are a hearing and obeying people. Everybody said amen. All right, lesson number three from this passage. I want you to turn back to Ezekiel 14. Lesson number three speaks of God's foresaw or four severe judgments. I want you to listen to this. Because it's so relevant to us today and the world situation. So in verse 21, listen to it. God's foresaw judgments. For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my foresaw judgments upon Jerusalem. And then he spells out these foresaw judgments. Number one, the sword. Number two, the famine. Number three, the noisome or the wild beasts. And number four, the pestilence. To cut off from it from man and beast. Now, I want you to go back to the verses where the Lord talks about these foresaw judgments. And we're going to put them in the order of verse 21. So if you're taking notes down, let me say it again. So God's foresaw judgments. So Ezekiel is in Babylon, but Babylon's not in him. The word of the Lord's coming to him, and he's giving the word that whether people hear or whether they don't, but uh, the people are not hearing or obeying, and now in the midst of that, the Lord talks about these foresaw judgments. Let me say them again. Number one, the sword. This is from verse 21. Number two, the famine. And number three, the wild beasts, NIV and a few other translations bring it out, the noisome or wild, destructive, evil beasts. And number four, the pestilence. Now let's see the verses that the Lord speaks about these foresaw judgments before I just apply it to what's going on in the world today. In verse 17, I'll put it in the order that we're, we're taking from verse 21. Verse 17, the sword. If I bring a sword upon that land and say, sword, go through the land. So I cut off from it man and beast. Then the famine, verse 13. Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it and will break the staff of the bread thereof and will send famine upon it and will cut off man and beast, the famine. And then the wild beast, verse 15. If I cause noisome beasts 
to pass through the land, and they spoil it so that it be desolate, that no man may pass through because of the beasts. So the beasts, and then verse 19, the pestilence. Or if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast. Why don't you put down Leviticus chapter 26. Leviticus chapter 26, just the chapter. And then Ezekiel 5, verses 16 and 17. Ezekiel 5, verses 16 and 17. In uh, Leviticus chapter uh, 26, the Lord speaks about the seven times punishment and the seven times plagues that he's going to bring upon Israel as a nation and applicable to any nation that disobeys the word of the Lord. And God's four sore judgments are the sword, the famine, wild beasts and pestilence. Let me say what each of these speak of because, listen saints, each of these judgments are taken up in the book of Revelation. And in Revelation, in fact, why don't you just turn to this? Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. And we don't touch on eschatology too much here. I think the time will come when I probably need to. But Revelation chapter 6. We have the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, opening the seven seal book. And this seven seal book that was opened in the midst of an atmosphere of worship and praise and, and adoration of the Lamb. In verse 1, I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals and I heard as it were the noise of thunder, one of the four living creatures say, come and see. And we see as the Lamb breaks the first seal, once you listen carefully to this and we'll sort of wrap up on this and so I said we'll be doing this the next several Sundays, uh, a white horse conquering and to conquer. Then in verse 5, the second, the, sorry, verse uh, 3, we have the second seal open. And what sort of a horse goes forth? A red horse. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Once you link it up. The, the, the second seal is a red horse, a sword, and it speaks of war. Okay, verse 5, And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see, and I beheld and lo, a black horse. And what is the black horse symbolic of? Famine. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hands. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four creatures saying, A measure of wheat for a penny. That was a day's salary and three measures of barley for a penny, and see you hurt not the oil and the wine. Famine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come and see. And now he sees a pale horse, and the pale horse is linked up with the noisome beasts. And his name that sat on him was Death, and Hades followed with him. Death for the body, Hades for the soul. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, second seal, and with hunger, famine, the third seal, and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And the pale horse represents pestilence. Saints, I believe that those seals are open and they're going to increase with intensity throughout the world. When they say peace and safety, sudden destruction. 
There's a sword. And see, this type of message is quite a nice message probably in our Australian scene. But when we look at the world situation and have a worldview of things, you'll find that in the last number of years we have had so many wars that have devastated and sent millions of people into eternity and most of them into a Christless eternity. When we think of the seal of famine, we've got plenty and it doesn't sort of mean the word famine doesn't mean a thing to us in Australia. But you know what the population of the world is that is starving and some of the man-made famines that have been deliberately created to depopulate certain countries by the rich entrepreneurs and those who control the value of our money. God's got it all there. And then we think of wild beasts. We don't, well, in the Bible it was more particular and you can take this either way. National beasts, kingdoms of the world. Or God in occasions in the scripture, in, one, uh, in 2 Kings 17, he sent lions amongst the people who devoured the people. Locusts devastate the nation. Wolves. Even in Australia, our little bit sometimes, how many know that sometimes the kangaroos overpopulate and they devastate thousands of acres of wheat crops? Well, God used animals to judge man back there. And pestilence, you know the whole thought of pestilence is disease and plagues that destroy. And of course the top one today is AIDS. I want you to turn to one scripture as I finished this morning. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah 26. God's foresaw judgments that are in the earth. And I believe in our generation, there's untold thousands, actually millions, have come under these foresaw judgments, these severe judgments of war, famine, beast kingdoms, or beasts, and deadly plagues. I want to finish on this, asking ourselves a question. What is God's purpose in these judgments? Why does God send these type of judgments throughout different nations and throughout the world? Listen to Isaiah 26 and verses 5 to 11. Isaiah 26, verse 5 to 11. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high. The lofty city, he layeth it low. He layeth it low even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. Because he's referring to earthly Jerusalem back here, full of pride, religious pride. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou most upright doth weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. Now here's the crunch of it in verse 9. With my soul have I desired you in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek you early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. How many get the point? When thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. But let grace, NIV says, or favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. 
So why does God allow judgments in the earth? So that the inhabitants of the earth will learn righteousness. Let's summarize what I've wanted you to learn this morning. How many of you have learned something this morning? Number one, we are living in a Babylonian society, a Babylonian situation in every way, but we are not to let that spirit of confusion get into us. If there's areas of confusion in our life, then maybe the Lord needs to deal with that. Number two, the word of the Lord continually comes to this body here. Are we hearers of the word and not doers? Or are we hearers and doers? Number two, number three, we need to recognize that God's judgments are in the earth. And God will use so many things in order to get the attention of people to bring them to himself. Can everybody say amen this morning to the word of the Lord? Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.